right, everyone. Welcome to the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. In this podcast, our goal is to focus less on the premise of best practices and instead look for the processes and questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. I'm Angela Brown, the manager of B2B Brand Strategy at Niche, and my guest today is Justin Deering. Justin has been telling stories since he walked into his first media technology class as a junior in high school. After teaching film and radio for seven years, several years, my apologies, <laughs> Justin jumped into school public relations. He has served in a communications role in multiple school districts in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. He remains an active member of TSPRA and has been recognized for his work in social media and visual storytelling. Additionally, he is the co-host of the award-winning podcast and a personal favorite of mine, School PR Happy Hour. While he's not at work, Justin enjoys spending time outdoors with his wife, Katie, and daughter, Kinley, catching a Dallas Mavericks or Dallas Wings game, binging the latest Marvel content, same, and participating in the most over-the-top fantasy baseball league around. Maybe we'll need a separate episode just to talk about that. <laughs> Justin, welcome to the podcast. Well, it's funny you said seven instead of several, but that's how many years I taught. So seven years, so you, you nailed it. <laughs> and uh, that baseball great. league, that baseball league has taught me how to use Excel, and that's why I'm good at spreadsheets. So it's a, oh. uh, it, it's, it's been great for my career. Actually, this ten or fifteen years I've been in this baseball league has made it where I can formulate stuff on Excel pretty quick now. That's incredible. I, I love it when there are some some kind of outside life things that that can help us out in the in the workspace. So that's cool. Who knew? Yeah, it, it, it's been it's been it's a bunch of buddies from high school, and we've just been doing this forever. And we're all like, well, none of it. us can quit now. We have to hand it down to our kids whenever they're ready to take over the reins. <laughs> it will continue forever. I love oh, yeah. it. I love it. Never ending. <laughs> so this is our third annual resolutions episode for folks who have been listening to us on the K-12 side for a while. You know that in January of every year, I like to bring in an expert from the K-12 space to talk through their own observations about things that schools and districts could start doing, stop doing, think about coming into the new year. And so we're going to dig into resolutions for school PR. But first, we're going to do our questions that we ask every guest because these are always fun. And I, I love to hear how people respond to these. So our first one is, what is something you tried that didn't work? And what did you learn? So this one was tough. Um, this question was a little <laughs> hard because I was trying to think like per personally, but also professionally. So when I, when one of my, I had a superintendent that uh, retired while I worked there and he was like, Hey, once I'm done, we're going to go shred some mountains together. We're going to get on a mountain bike and we're going to go mountain biking. And I'm going to show you, I had no clue. He was a competitive mountain biker. Like oh he boy. was um, <laughs> award winning. So he gave me a bike. He said, Hey, take this bike, learn how to ride it, buy you a helmet. So I bought an expensive helmet. I've had that helmet for four years and I've had that bike for four years and I've never once rode on a single mountain. I started watching too many YouTube videos and saw too many broken bones and was like, I kind of like my bones not broken. <laughs> um, so I have a really expensive bike and a really expensive helmet. So I say I tried and learned that I like my bones unbroken. Like I tried mountain biking around my neighborhood, but professionally, when I think about my school PR career, I came out of the classroom pretty, not, not hot headed, but pretty confident in my abilities and uh, I went to an into a meeting probably 
a week and a half into a new boss. My boss, had, the, one, the guy who hired me had left. They brought in a new person. And we were going to talk about a new logo for the theme of the year for the district. And I came in pretty hot and was like, that's not a logo. That's words. <laughs> Come on now. It's a oh. word. Those, that's not a logo. That's words. And we, I thought everybody had my back. I thought I was going into a battle with a hundred people on my, on my team. You know, everybody's got me. No one had me Ooh. and it's fine. I didn't do the work to actually like research and be like, Hey, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? And realize that I'm the only one that feels opposite. So I went in a little hot. We had a, a heated exchange. I wouldn't say an argument, but a heated exchange about this logo six, seven years later, it's now the official district logo and everybody in the, in the, in the whole city can refer wow. can recite the saying that's on this logo. So I was wrong. That was the big thing I learned was I was wrong, <laughs> but I also learned like maybe, maybe slow down a little bit. And it checked me a little bit in early career when, you know, I'd won a couple of awards as a teacher. I came out, I was creating videos that the district hadn't seen before, like some upping the quality and then going into something I didn't really know a lot about. I hadn't learned a lot about branding yet and came in hot and was like, this, this isn't a logo. These are words. And they're like, nope, it's a logo <laughs> and we're using it and it's stuck and it's on billboards right outside of the neighborhood I live in now. So I see it every day, wow. but yeah, <laughs> that I learned maybe, maybe check myself and stay in my lane a little bit, but also it gave mm -hmm. me the motivation to learn new things, to get outside of my lane so that I could have those educated conversations about those moments and those things that I, maybe I didn't know a lot about. That's awesome. And I, it's something I can definitely relate to when I think back to my transition from being in the corporate world to being in-house at a school. And I did something very similar where I came in too hot. I had all of these ideas about things that I was going to fix, you know, as a, as a corporate marketer. And I, I think the, the big headline there is for anyone that's stepping into a new position or even just entering a new environment to be able to take that time to listen mm -hmm. and kind of read the room and understand that you don't know what you don't know. And there's always, no matter how good you are at your job, there's always an opportunity to learn. So I think that's a really, that's a cool lesson that, yeah, I think that, it, that I mean, probably tracks for a lot of people. I mean, I think there's this culture of work right now that you got to hit the ground running and you got to make a name for yourself immediately. So if you're in a new position, you better come with a hot idea. So everybody looks and goes, whoa, who's the new guy? Who's the mm -hmm. new girl? And maybe that's not, yeah, you want that to happen for you, but maybe that's not the the approach to take coming in. Is, I mean, and I openly admit I'm friends with my boss still and have lunch with me. He goes, remember that time you argued with me about a pencil? And I said, yes, I do remember the time <laughs> I argued with you about a pencil. <laughs> but um because I said a pencil was a logo. He said no, and we went back and forth. It's whatever. But I think that they're, that culture of, hey, hit the ground running, make a name for yourself immediately, that works in some industries. I don't think it works in school PR because, you again, you don't know what you don't know. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it was a pencil or words. If it brought attention to the district and helped do what's best for kids, it doesn't matter what it said. Yeah, that's a great insight there. And I think that there's... There's something to think about too when you ladder up to like what what is it that we're trying to do? Who what who who are we actually here for? And it, it, to your point, you're trying to serve the kids, and mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. It's not necessarily making a name for yourself or raising your own profile. Everybody's trying to kind of march in the same direction for the same goal, and that's yep. that's important to keep in mind as well. Absolutely. So our next pre-resolution question is what practices do you use to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? So I like to tell people that I have a master's degree from YouTube University. <laughs> um, 
and, and it's a master's in borrowing other people's ideas. <laughs> so I will go, I'll go to YouTube and I'll watch some of the creators that I like to follow, especially early in my career. I'll go and see like Peter McKinnon and some of those folks that are doing really cool things with cameras. Cause my background has always been digital media, video podcasting lately in my new role. I've gotten to shift to the strategy side and realize, Whoa, I'm way more nerdy. I love this stuff a <laughs> lot. So, but I, and early in my career, I'd see a video or some cool editing tactic or something on YouTube. And then I would just mm-hmm. figure out how to do it. Uh, beg, beg, that's beg, steal and borrow, reach out to the creator. Like, how'd you do this? Make a tutorial, show me how to do it. I think as I've advanced into my career, I'm pulling a lot from, from books. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling a lot from conversations that I have. And I think that the biggest thing when it comes to serving the K-12 arena industry is I'm pulling from things I see for my kid. As a father, this is like my first two years, these last two years in this new role. It's the first time I've really been able to be involved in the enrollment and be in the classroom and it volunteer on campus because I was at a campus. I was built, I was working mm-hmm. in districts. I couldn't go. I could show yeah. up for lunch once a month. Like that's about what she got for me for lunch. So a lot of the stuff for now, like I hear what she's talking about they're doing in school. Okay, how can we transition that into messaging that parents get? How can we transition mm-hmm. what she's saying into videos or social media posts that the high school kids are wanting to share and to push things out? So early in my career, YouTube all day, every day for everything, personal, professional, whatever. Now, I think my favorite time to pull brain and, and, and get new ideas is when I sit down and talk to my kid on the way to basketball practice and hear what they're doing at school and kind of just steal, beg and borrow from her and, <laughs> use, and use those in my everyday life and everyday work. I love that. That's I, actually, there's a lesson there for me because I'm in a, a very similar boat, you know, having gone from being in-house to being in a, in a different environment. And I now live walking distance from my son's school. And so it's been completely transformational as far as my ability to get involved and actually see what's happening. I can volunteer. I can do the class parties. I can, you know, do all the events. And, and that's been really incredible just to really see through a different lens, what's happening and to hear him talk about what he's doing at school, but also to provide feedback, you know, on, on things that I'm seeing and, Hey, it would be really great if more parents knew about X. And so I I think that's such, that's such a powerful statement that you can actually learn from your own children when you think about how you're bringing new ideas to your work. That's cool. I love one of the cool, one of the cool lessons I think I've learned this year is, you know, in CISO, we work with districts all over the country. Mm-hmm. Here in Texas, I work with quite a few districts here in Texas. And most districts in Texas, when it comes down to the simple, just putting out deliverables, putting out marketing material, putting out social media, we go English and then some will, will translate into Spanish. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we all in Texas need to be translating to Spanish. We'll start there. Yeah. But I went to my daughter's campus and she has a new principal this year. And the, the principal who was there before was amazing. She, she got moved to a different campus to help, to help work on improvement. They brought in a new uh, principal and everybody was a little nervous. Well, there's like 15 languages spoke on my daughter's campus by herself, not just English and Spanish. There's 13 other ones. And they changed wow. the motto to, the, to we are Vitoski and we are family. And he printed that in all 15 languages. So every mm. kid and family in that school that spoke, they saw their motto. We are Vitoski. We are family in their language on a shirt that was worn to school. And he rotates through every one of them. 
and wears every one of them. And the teachers oh. can buy, like, Kinley came home. She goes, my best friend speaks German. Can I buy the German shirt? Absolutely. Go for it. So that made me think wow. professionally, just because we may have 50 to 80% English speakers, 20% or 10 to 20% Spanish. There's still a group of people that we're not communicating with. Yes. We have to be real intentional about, okay, there is a population that does speak German here in our area. Maybe mm-hmm. we can't print everything, but we can have a spot on the website, a QR code. Do you need this and right. this? Boom, QR code. Here's what it says because they may yeah. not understand it. The kids may, but grandma and grandpa mm-hmm. or mom and dad, they may not right. know what it says at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful and so inclusive. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that's just, that's such a, an inclusive way of thinking. And I, I do think that I really believe that if there's one industry, where inclusion should be a priority. It's education. Yep. You know, I mean, it's, it should be a priority everywhere, but it's like, if we had to pick one, <laughs> right. Yeah. And it just, it, it has such an impact to on, on the social emotional wellness that students have as well. Just feeling like you're part of something. So that's really powerful. Yeah. Really it, cool. it's, the campus has transformed a little bit this year. And of course, seeing my kids so pumped about, you know, my friend speaks this and they've got a shirt that said like, like she brought it up. I, I knew about it. I got the newsletter, but she brought it up. She's like, we got the same shirt, but it says like 20 different things. I'm like, no, it says one thing <laughs> in 15 different languages. That's what you got to realize. It's saying the same thing for everybody. It's covering every kid in that school. And that was like the first big check mark he got from parents, especially for me. I was like, you're doing it. And yeah. he is just continuing yeah. to include every family in that campus for everything that goes on. And it has, really opened my eyes to some of the practices and some of the processes we have in place with districts mm-hmm. that are very similar to what we're dealing with or what we have at my, my kid's campus. So I can go into other conversations and be like, what about this? Have you thought about this? And they're, oh, mm-hmm. no, that, and it's just pulling, beg, beg, uh, steal and borrow from what I see and hand it to someone else. And it works. I love it. Steal ideas from your kids, everyone. If you know where you hide, if, right. if you know where they hide their money, steal that too. Just kidding. <laughs> I love it. So now we're going to get into the good stuff. We're going to start our resolutions. And the first one that you shared is that school districts have to return to the heart of things and showcase the real stories that are happening in their classrooms. So we talked a little bit about that, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that first resolution. One thing I love about school PR in general is when new technology comes out, we... 90% of us jump all in and try to figure out how to use it within the first two weeks. I mean, I think we all jump to threads and we're like, Oh, this is going to be great. And then we're like, Hey, we can't hashtag a thing. What are we going to do? So this one really comes to mind and really was forefront for me because of just how far we went into AI last year. We got to a point where I, I mean, I think you can, I can, I think my kid can, can look at social media and be like, a robot wrote that. Because there's two yeah. mo- there's two emojis before it, there's two emojis after it, and there's 17 <laughs> hashtags. That came from ChatGPT. As an avid user of ChatGPT, I use it all the time in work. And, I mean, last night I asked it how to uh, beat a press for basketball. I'm teaching 10-year-olds how to beat a press in a basketball game. And I was like, ChatGPT, how would you do it? They gave me a great plan. But That's awesome. there's almost like a fatigue going on that in just the marketplace, people don't even less than they were before, don't trust the messaging because did a human write it? Is this human interaction mm-hmm. or is this act as a marketing executive? Give me 15 tweets about open <laughs> enrollment starting on March 1st. That's the prompt. We know it. 
people can spot fake content from a mile away. So mm-hmm. I think that this year, while still using that responsibly, districts are really going to have to get back to the basics of putting someone's face on a camera and having them talk, mm. taking a picture of them and grabbing a quote, talking to a parent about the experience their kids have, talking to a kid about the experience they have. That'll help to start rebuild trust and show authentic, true engagement and conversations about the great things that are happening there. And then just also, I think the biggest thing is going back into those classrooms and aiming the cameras back at the teachers. Teachers were heroes and then they weren't. And now they're tired. Plain and simple. They were heroes and they weren't. Now they're tired. So if we can go in and showcase the great things that they're doing and make them feel proud of the work and have other people, because you know how it works. We put these videos out, these stories out, these messages out and our loyals read them. And then they see that teacher at the grocery store and they say, I saw the video that, that you, you're doing such a great job. That probably hadn't happened for every teacher in a while because A, districts are a little nervous to put stuff out because they don't want to get the negative response. And B, teachers are tired and they just need to hear it. And they probably haven't because they've been kind of sheltering yeah. into their room a little bit. So I think the biggest thing in this one is just it's time to get back to the heart of the matter of teachers and kids. Yes, AI has a place in school PR. I don't know that it has a place of writing your entire communications plan. Um, I think your communications plan has to start from the heart. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like that response answer is no. Please, please, (laughs) please. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, there, there's obviously, you know, AI out there that can help you edit videos. It can create beautiful images, but again, we're getting to where we can spot those images created by mid journey. It's pretty easy to be like, Oh yeah, it's not a real one where's a picture of a real kid in your class learning? Like, give me some Mm -hmm. of that. And sometimes you can't go get that. I get it. And sometimes you got to jump on and be like, here's your prompt. I need a kid that has a shirt on that says my district's name, whatever (laughs) that looks like. So I just think that it's time to share the heart again while incorporating the AI stuff where you can, but really returning back to teachers and students and showing the greatness there. I think there are a lot of really great things that you've hit on. And what I think is really important to think about when it comes to the use of AI, and I actually just wrote a blog post about this that will be going live on the blog soon. It's exciting still. And there's a lot of experimentation happening, which I absolutely encourage. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think that the pace of advancement is only going to accelerate, but we can't take our feet off the gas, right? There's still very much a need for human strategy, humanity in content. You know, like it, it, AI isn't, it's nothing without the humans that power it, right? right? It's just a tool. It's not a workaround for the things that make compelling content compelling, you know? And so I, I think that's a really good takeaway for people who are diving in and really excited about it. You don't want to over-index on it to the degree that it loses its substance and it loses its impact. I saw somebody talk about this probably on YouTube and they're like, but you can make the robots sound more human. And he typed in a a prompt and it wrote a paragraph to like a note home. And then he simply wrote add empathy and it pushed out. it, It still was not a human empathy. It was not, human emotion yeah. at all it changed the the severity of some of the words and we read that and watched that in a team meeting because we as soon as chat gpt blew up we were like okay we got to be ahead of this because 
a lot of people thought, oh, this is going to take all of our jobs. Not it's not just CISO, but just in general. Yeah. I believe AI is never going to take my job. Someone who knows how to use it properly possibly could. Mm -hmm. But AI mm -hmm. is not going to take my job because as a storyteller, you can't, a computer can't put out a story about a kid that excels at band, but also this like fundraising for a marathon. That That's not something that a computer is ever going to know or the AI is ever going to know. So I think that just having those heart stories and especially about your teachers right now, because they need it. Yeah. You're never going to get compassion and you're never going to get emotion and true feelings from a prompt you type into a website that can spit it out in 10 seconds. Yeah, I love that. So our second resolution is that district communications and HR teams have to go all in on LinkedIn in 2024. And I'd love to hear more about this. I, For anyone who's connected with me on LinkedIn, you know that that's my love language. That is my end-all be-all of social platforms. It's my favorite. I'm on it every day. There is a tab that is open at all times. But I would love to hear more about your perspective on how school districts can use this for, for recruitment. So I think, it, I think it's twofold. I think the first one's pretty obvious. Your teachers are looking for another job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two years there ago, the is, <laughs> <laughs> two years ago, the number was 55% of teachers were thinking about leaving. And I'm willing to bet in the last two years, it hasn't gotten easier. Yeah. I'm yeah. willing to bet that that number has probably increased. So as a communications team and as an HR team, going all in on LinkedIn looks like sharing those heartfelt stories about the greatness of your teachers. Your audience over there is different. Your audience yes. is people within your district that might be looking for other jobs or people in other districts who may be like, man, my district doesn't love teachers. Oh, but XYZ ISD is sharing all of these things about how great their teachers are and their starting salary and marketing mm -hmm. recruitment marketing right there on LinkedIn. And there are districts all over the country, I think, that do this amazing. So yeah. it's not like there's nobody doing it. You can find somebody who's doing it real good and, and, and follow them and see how they're doing it and mimic what they're doing. But I think in a time where I would be shocked if there wasn't a majority of districts, they're like, man, we need teachers. We're short. I mm -hmm. think that's a big, mm -hmm. I think that's obvious. Why would you not be on the biggest professional social media network marketing yourself in a certain way that makes it attractive for your prospective employees to want to come to your district and building a culture of acceptance, promotion, mm -hmm. greatness, mm -hmm. inclusive, those kind of things. That, and I think that's where in this year, 2024, you got to have a presence first off, because some schools don't even have, some districts don't even have their name claimed. Some of like, I've worked in two districts that some yes. random person owned our name. Yes and build up that storytelling there. But you've got to know the audience over there is different than mom and pop and grandma and Paul and grandpa that are on Facebook wanting to see their kid reading a book in the third grade class. That last point, I can't emphasize enough. I've seen schools and districts across categories talk about LinkedIn, ask questions about LinkedIn for several years now. And the one common mistake that I see over and over and over again is that people treat it like Facebook. And I really believe that that's a mistake. It's a different audience. People consume the content on LinkedIn differently. They're coming from a very different place with a different set of goals. And so just repurposing the same things that you're, you're posting in the feed on Facebook for LinkedIn, it's not going to work because to your point, it's not mom and dad and grandma and grandpa or, you know, 
aunts and uncles. It's people who are looking for jobs. If you're, you know, in the private school world, it might be your alumni. The point is, it's a different audience. They're looking for a different kind of content, and you have to have a different content strategy for it. But to ignore it is not the move because, right. yes, people are looking for jobs, and you want to make sure, like, that billboard that you've got is not going to be the only thing that helps people to contextualize why they should be looking at your district versus someone else. I think you said something really cool in there about people treated as Facebook and basically are copy and pasting across all platforms. Yeah. And we'll talk about branding a little later. That's one of the new yes. year's resolutions coming up, but <laughs> your voice can be the same. The words yes. you use and the sound and, and the, co- the, the core values behind it can be the same, but the message has to be different. Absolutely. It has to match the audience. So if I, I, you know, from a branding process, I've learned that, you know, compassion is, is something that we, we strive for as a core value in my school district. There's a way to tell a story about a student doing greatness on Facebook with a voice of compassion, just like there is Mm -hmm. a opportunity to recruit new teachers, high quality teachers to your district with a voice of compassion and a marketing style message. That's the easiest thing is yes. Everybody says, oh, well, it's got to be the same on everything. I've got to sound the same. No, your voice has to sound the same. The words physically do not need to or have to be the same. Exactly. I think the other half of, and you brought up private schools, The other half, the other fold of LinkedIn is, again, it's a different audience. And in times Mm -hmm. where budgets across the country are being slashed for education and education is not fully supported, LinkedIn is a great opportunity for districts to tell their story and build a fan base on LinkedIn of potential donors and partners Mm. that could come in and sponsor things at a football stadium or sponsor the library or buy naming rights because if you want to, if you lead a district or a private school that people want to be affiliated with, there are marketing dollars and sponsorship dollars out there that can help with the budget deficit. In my, my previous district, we were lucky to be a nationwide powerhouse in football. You saw our logo, you know who we were. It didn't matter if you were in, uh, in Washington State, Washington, D.C., Florida, you knew that logo was pretty big because we had won yeah. some national champions championships. We ran an advertising program out of the communications department that roughly $300,000 to $500,000 a year of income for the district. Wow. And guess what our budget was? Covered Probably is what it was. Not, our budget yeah, was, I was going to say less than half a million dollars. Yeah. So our but we, we basically we basically created a program and I had nothing to do with it. I am not taking any credit for this. It was... It was my boss and our marketing person, you know, Julie, they're, they're brilliant, but they brought in, I mean, it's a lot easier when you go and ask for a cool marketing tool that you want to use or a printer app, a, a magazine you want to send to every house in the district when you can say, yeah, it's going to cost 40, but here's the 500 we made, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> yeah, we, we, right. we got it. We covered it. So I think that sharing those stories and building a fan base and a culture that people want to support on LinkedIn is a great way to expand your marketing and your sponsorships to bring in additional revenue for a district. That's awesome. That's a great takeaway. Cause I, I don't think that people think about that at all. Actually, like, you know, in the, in the conversations that I've seen and been a part of around this particular channel, I haven't really heard that. And, and so that's a, that's a good kind of sleeper strategy that I think the districts can definitely benefit from. 
And so our next resolution, and I can't decide if this is my favorite or if the last one is my favorite. <laughs> I love them both. But as a, as a parent and also someone who has spent the last 10 years thinking about all things enrollment, your resolution number three is it's time to simplify every process from enrollment to employment, everything in caps. Yes. <laughs> Tell me everything more about was that. in caps. Yes. So one of the most frequently asked services that come, people come to see so looking for is enrollment marketing. And the why is we need more kids. Why? Because kids <laughs> equal funding, funding equals money, and it's easier to yep. run your district. But when the first thing we'll do is say, all right, can you give us a dummy account to register for your, uh, to go ahead and enroll in your school? Sure. Here you go. It's like you have to have proof of residency, an, ele an electric bill, blood sample, and <laughs> right. a, a, a me and 23 or 23 and me or whatever it is, <laughs> DNA test to get into the school. And that's for a returning student who you've already had all the information for for a year. So there's a district in Dallas-Fort Worth that returning students, they get a form and it's five questions. And when they answer those five questions, they're enrolled, plain and simple. Love Did your that. address change? No. Did you, what other, I don't even know what the questions are. We're still trying to find an example so we can be like, here's, I just know it's out there. There's five questions, but with recruitment, with student recruitment, with employee recruitment, the technology exists that I can upload my resume. And when I hit start application, it auto populates everything. Not mm -hmm. a lot of school districts are using that. Some are I'm not saying everybody's bad at this. But I just know <laughs> as a fir the first time I've been able to be a part of the process with my kid, because I was too busy enrolling everyone else's kid when I worked in the district, <laughs> I got to enroll my kid this year. And I was like, this is terrible. There's no wonder when open enrollment starts, you get a thousand applications and only about 85 to 90 of them finish because yeah. it's, it's a 45 minute process. And there's not a ton of people in our current world that have 45 minutes to sit down and do no. this. And then it just no. top of mind gone. It's, it's gone. So I think it's time to, to really like take a wide angle view of your enrollment and your recruiting and application process and see how can we just make this easier? Like, how can we make this not so cumbersome and how can we make it maybe they can figure it out in 10 minutes, fill it out in 10 minutes and be done. Yeah. We may not get everything we need at that time. We may not get every bit of information, but we got them enrolled and we can follow up with them Absolutely. and get the other information we need. Because the big thing is a lot of times when we're seeing this in a lot of districts, once you open enrollment may start in March. And if you enroll and you're accepted and you find out March 15th, you're accepted. Some districts you're not hearing from them again until, Hey, school starts next week. <laughs> like, yes. So once yes. They, if, if you can't get every bit of information you need in March, but you can get them enrolled and then you can follow up next month. Hey, School's coming. Here's your school. This and just like a drip campaign type style where you're constantly hearing from them because you've let them into the family in March, but you haven't invited them to a dinner till August. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you're going to let them in in March, let's do a little bit in April. Let's do a little bit in May. Let's do a little bit all throughout the summer to make them feel a part of the family, whether that's emails that get them ready. Maybe it's a swag bag of, hey, welcome, that kind of thing. And the same with employees. We all start interviewing yes. in March and April, but they don't start till August. What are we doing between them except between there, except making them come to a two day orientation where they sit and get for six hours. Like there's, there's multiple ways that you can make the front process easy and then build them into your culture, into your group through emails, through 
virtual meetings similar to what we're doing right now where you can just say, hey, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better before you start in August. How about in June, we're going to have five different new teachers on your campus on so you can sit down and talk to some new teachers that don't know anybody. So on your first day of in-service, you got five friends. That makes you feel like you're a part of a group, right? That makes you feel like I'm not walking in blind on day one. I don't know anybody. I've had an opportunity to not only meet my team and playing with them all summer, but also meet five random first years that are going to be there. So I just think making the process easier and making it a long ride to the first day is important. I love that so much because I refer to that gap between enrollment and, you know, the first day of school or first week of school or between when you get hired and when you have your your onboarding as a communication black hole. And that is something that so many schools and districts fall into where it's like, we make a big deal out of like, you're accepted or great, you're enrolled, and then nothing happens. And if you're on the other side, you're almost wondering if something's wrong. If you RSVP for an event and you hear nothing until right before, it's like, did, did my RSVP go through? I'm missing the logistics. You, you start questioning and second guessing. And unfortunately, trying to get in touch with someone who can answer those questions can also be like navigating a maze with a blindfold on. Yep. And so I, I think it's it's a, that's a really good takeaway. Um, I was actually taking some notes because that is something not every private school, but some private schools do do really well. And I think that there's there's a lesson there for public schools and districts as they think about what does that communication cadence look like between it. And it it could be something that's pretty standard, you know, it doesn't have to be super custom, but what does that communications flow look like between when a new family enrolls and when school actually starts, what do they need? What questions do they have and who do they, who could they connect with directly if they need to follow up? That's something that's fairly simple and straightforward. You probably mm-hmm. only need to take a look at it once a year, but it's it's really important to make sure that you have something in place for that. Well, think of it like college athletic recruiting. Mm-hmm. Look, I played baseball in high school. I wasn't good, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I played well enough and I was left-handed enough because every college wants a left-handed pitcher. I was sure. just left-handed <laughs> enough that colleges, even though I didn't play my senior year, I had some division two colleges that reached out to say, hey, would you be interested in playing baseball again we can get you back and I said no I said I want to go to college and be a filmmaker or sports radio guy but they put me in a process of I got something in February and I kept getting something and kept getting something almost to the point where I was like do I want to play baseball (laughs) like they almost convinced (laughs) me that maybe I want to play baseball again but I think that's great like some of the districts we're working with have kind of taken that aspect and thought of it of once I get you enrolled I'm going to continue to feed you reasons you're going to love it here but at the same time when i was getting calls from that small little backcountry university here in texas i had one person (laughs) i talked to i talked to ted ted the baseball recruiter and we have districts that are picking that up and saying hey if you have questions call janet janet is your is your campus representative and it may be the principal secretary it may be the student council teacher because they know everything about the school and understand the the ins and outs of how that school works but how many open enrollment students do you have that, that if you have a ton, then you're going to need multiple people. But we have made a couple districts have made that a position like, Hey, you're just an enrollment liaison. And when someone has a question, you're the person they call and that you're the person they're going to get. 
If it says call Janet, Janet's going to answer unless Janet's on vacation because we are not going to make Janet answer it on the beach. But someone will answer <laughs> Janet's phone. And just having a personal contact, like you said, a personal point of contact to keep you engaged. Plus, you're getting a little bit, you're getting fed a little bit each month about the great things that are happening or information we yeah. need or how to be prepared for kindergarten. Here's a checklist of 10 things your kids should be able to do before they come to kindergarten for to thrive. Make sure they can tie their shoes, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's an opportunity that the campuses that do it well, do it real well. The districts that do it well, mm-hmm. do it real well. Private schools, colleges, they all do it really well. There's a lot of people that could just step back as much as, you know, and I'm a, I'm a public school kid from birth. As much as I don't want to think about what the private schools and charters are doing, they're doing something <laughs> right. It's working. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I think there are some things that public schools do really well that private schools can learn from, you know, right. and I, I've also seen that there are a lot of misconceptions that are not necessarily correct. And so, you know, I think everyone can benefit from simpler processes. And it's also really important to just have an awareness of what those processes look like in other environments. So you understand what your families are experiencing, because you Mm -hmm. you can't assume that every enrollment process is a massive pain. It's not. You know, if parents have a choice, they're going to choose the process that's simpler indirectly or directly, that tells them a lot about what they can expect after the enrollment process happens. Well, there, There is a so. charter school being built about 400 yards behind my house in the field behind us. And they've started recruiting our neighborhood, which of course you can walk there. Why yeah. would you not? And yeah. as a, somebody who is uber conscious at all times about the processes like that, yeah. Said, what the heck? Let's go through it and see what happens. Let's see what happens. So I just sent a Facebook message that said, when does open enrollment begin for your campus? We live right behind it and we're just kind of getting information to kind of see what's going on, see what the options are. And their response was, it starts on November 1st. And if you want to call me on November 1st, if, they, if you decide that this is what you and your family want to do, I can walk you through the process and actually fill the forms out for you. Doesn't Whoa. get much easier than that of calling and saying, my kid's name is Kenley. Here's her social, here's her address, and they do it for me. That that's that's a grab right there. I mean, that's a way to get people yes, in the is. door. You don't need proof wow. of residency here. You don't need this. You just need information and then we'll get you on a mailing list. They'll send you and I'm I mean, I didn't register my child, but I'm on the mailing list and get stuff weekly and I'm like, I see. I'm I'm yep. taking notes. <laughs> like I'm yes. taking notes. Yes. This is how it works. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not a, you know, bad exercise to go through just kind of like yeah i mean it's going the other way i mean everybody's doing Absolutely. it to each other i mean you don't think college athletic recruiting's crossing over to see what other people are doing and hiring away <laughs> right. their graphic designers it's happening in public <laughs> charter and private schools as well Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you, you gotta you gotta keep an eye on on the competition just to stay on top of your game. And and don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. Um, so this is this is a tough one. We said we were gonna talk about branding, and here we are. And so our our fourth and final resolution is branding, branding, branding. So yes. let's dig into that one. It's one of my favorite topics, as as listeners know. But I would love to hear your take, and that'll that'll bring us home for this episode. So, so I have had the opportunity over the last year to take part in the rebranding of multiple districts. 
And by rebranding, it's not just a logo and tagline. We're going in and having focus groups and talking to students, families, teachers, community members that have no kids and really figuring out what that district means to that community. What are the core values of that district? And then we're taking time in our process to identify that archetype and archetypes. We could have a whole nother hour conversation about archetypes, we really we could. Won't. <laughs> <laughs> but identifying that archetype identifies your core value. It can, can, can open your core values and your voice tone and what you sound like in the marketplace. And unfortunately gone are the days of a kid lives in my district. They show up at my house or at my campus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything is a competitive marketplace. And honestly, some schools aren't for every kid. Right, right. There's schools that they're not for every kid. And it's only fair to understand your brand and put that out into the marketplace so that a parent and a kid can identify, it's not really my style, but this is. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you're able to put it out in the marketplace and be true to who you are. Right. So as, as a creator, Apple's archetype is literally creator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's They are creators. And they appeal to me because of innovation and constantly pushing the edge of doing something new. So if your campus identifies as an advocate and maybe you, we have districts that we work with when Uvalde happened, the tragedy in Uvalde here in Texas Mm -hmm. happened, we had five or six districts that we assisted with their letter to their community. And one district led with, this is unacceptable. It has to change. The district right next to it led with empathy and we're, we're feeling for the families and both of them said very similar messages, but mm-hmm. this district stood on their brand and this district stood on their brand and they're two very different brands, but they both are, it's their brand that lead them to do what's right for kids. And I think it's important for districts, campuses, and all the way down to teachers to understand their brand, to yes. understand who they are. And when they show up in the marketplace, they show up true to that so that, A, everybody knows who you are. And it's a lot easier to tell your messages. B, again, <laughs> schools aren't – that every school isn't for every kid. And maybe maybe I've got a fine arts kid and maybe she's not into the innovative, innovative stuff. Maybe she just wants to you know, be classically trained in theater. Kinley loves mm-hmm. theater. My kid loves theater. That's what she wants to do. So going to a STEM school may not be what she needs to do. But if all I see is – register by August 1st and I don't know anything else. It's kind of a disservice to your families Mm. in a sense that you're not putting out your true self for them to make a decision. Because again, kids are not just going to show up because they live in your boundaries anymore. And I'm a big nerd about this stuff. Now I love it. Like (laughs) I'm with you. I'm so with you. Branding is probably, if not my favorite thing, it's in the top three. Because it just, brand strategy is in my title. You can't do anything else without it. You really can't, and not effectively. And I think that's a real challenge, not just for K-12 institutions, but we see it in higher ed too, even Mm -hmm. though they have bigger budgets and larger departments. It's still something that's a struggle. We see it in the corporate world. If you're trying to communicate a message recruit families, hire teachers, you know, raise money for anything that you might be trying to do. You're flying blind if you don't, if that's not grounded in a strong brand. It's really, really tough. And this is such, it's become such a competitive marketplace. To your point, you have to stand out and you don't just have to stand out among other schools of your type. 
you have to, if you're at a district, especially in an open enrollment state, you, you have to think about the charters. You have to think about the small Catholic schools. You have to think about the independent schools. You have to think about all the different types of schools that online schools, there's so many options for families. And if you don't have a strong brand to lean on in your messaging, it's going to be really hard for you. It's only going to get harder. I agree. So. And if you, if someone were to ask, you, we're sitting in a meeting and someone to say, okay, tell me about district ABC. Who are you? Yeah. The people watching the video see me putting my hands up going, I don't know, because we, I mean, we have been in situations with districts where that we've asked, Hey, who are you? What, what do you, what is, what's special? And they don't have an answer. That means that most of their messaging currently is let's throw all this spaghetti on the wall and figure out which noodles all are done. Yeah. Whichever noodles stick, that's where we <laughs> land. And, yeah. and instead we can really go through a, there is a branding process where you can go through with focus groups, conversations and answers, and then have someone analyze it. And, and we use the, the archetype book at CISO. And I, I mentioned one time I'm super interested in this stuff. And the book showed up two days later from Amazon. My boss bought it for me. He goes, read it and I'll get you in. And we started doing them for some of the districts I work with. And I've come out of them like, this is all I want to do. Like, I just want to help people realize who they are because just in that one district by changing the hardest thing we had to come up with was what they meant by tradition. Cause they kept saying, we follow our traditions. Well, our traditions good or bad. Cause it depends on who you are. Right. And it's a right. fast growth district with everybody moving in. Everybody moving in doesn't know your traditions. Are we traditional? Mm -hmm. Are we into traditions? Are we into setting traditions? And we, yep. that was a knockdown drag out over there, but we got it figured out and once we changed that and taught them their new message and their new, their new thought process, their messaging from the teachers, the students, I mean, students are, are talking it, you know, made for greatness is their statement now. And we have in, in this district, so we're made powerful. for greatness. And once so you have it, once you have it aligned and understood and taught, it can change the entire identity of your district. And it's not just changing the logo. Cause we've had some people that are like, Oh, we need to change our logo. Great. Who are you? Oh, we don't know. Okay. Well, we got a lot of work to do before we hire a graphic designer for that one, my friend. We got to do some talking. That's so true. And that that's actually something I found myself saying a lot too, is if you start hearing people outside the communications office articulating the messaging, then you know you've got it. When you're hearing right. it from students, you're hearing it from parents, you're hearing it from your volunteers, then you're on to something. And there's that saying too of like, when you're sick of it, that's when people are finally starting to internalize it. And it's very true because I've heard that too from people who aren't connected to the process or they're, they just aren't living in the branding world. They're like, oh, do we have to keep saying that? Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. Because the yeah, fact that you're rolling your eyes colors. and sighing it, yeah, this, we got to <laughs> use the same colors. You got to get your fonts right. Keep it tight. You've got to use the same messaging. And there's just so much power in doing that work. It's labor intensive and resource intensive, but the payoff is just huge. Not to full circle it back to the very first question, but <laughs> that district I worked in where I came in hot that is now using that, that logo and brand and, and saying slogan to this day, you can walk through the streets of Mansfield, Texas and someone you'll say, what do you know about the district? And someone will respond and say, Mansfield ISD is a great place to live, learn, and teach. And again, eight years later, I'm tired of hearing it. I didn't like it when it started, but I was wrong, and it stuck, and it's been a great brand for them for the last eight years. 
to where people understand it's a great place to live. We're going to come here and have a good time and there's going to be great schools. We're going to learn. We're going to live, learn and teach. And they use it to recruit students, teachers, and just to get people to Mansfield with through a partnership with the city of making Mansfield more fun and more entertaining and more family oriented with stuff to do. And I, I mean, I can remember that day of having that conversation being like, this is not a logo or a brand. These are just <laughs> words. And then, I didn't have the the wide angle view of here's how we're going to live out those words. And now eight years later, it's everywhere and it's not going anywhere. It's a brand now. It is their brand. It has turned into their brand. I love it. And I love a full circle moment because yeah. that makes it easy to wrap up the <laughs> podcast. Episode. So here we are with my full circle <laughs> arms. That was such a fun conversation. And I, I feel like each resolution could be its own episode. So, right. you know, maybe we'll Sorry. figure that out <laughs> another time. No, it means they're good. It means they're they're really solid resolutions. And I know that people are going to want to hear more about you and your work at CISO. So if people want to connect with you after hearing the episode, where should they go? So I am on all major platforms uh, as Deering, D-E-A-R-I-N-G 22. I will say that I am not as active on Twitter slash X anymore, but I am being present there for school PR work. If anybody's that's where you're at and you reach out, I still get notifications. I'm just not posting as much about Kinley's basketball team or what books I'm reading over there. I'm pretty active <laughs> on threads now. I'm trying to learn a new one. LinkedIn, it's Justin Deering, Facebook, Justin Deering. And then easiest way is email, justin.deering at the CISO. That's T-H-E-C-E-S-O com And uh, anybody who wants to talk about any of these four, feel free to reach out. And if you want to talk about branding, be prepared to have a very long conversation because like I said, <laughs> I, I nerd out about this stuff now. So it's been, uh, it's been fun learning it. Thank you so much for joining us, Justin. It's been a great conversation and everybody we will see at the next one. <laughs>